Pokemon community, and welcome to the introductory episode of Soundproof, a new Pokemon podcast being launched by myself, Mr. B-Dog46, Brendan Lewis, and my good friend, Jake Major Bowman Muller, who is with me today. Hello. We are just so unbelievably excited to finally bring this podcast to you guys, and uh, if you follow, follow us on Twitter, which you should at this point, you'd know <laughs> that this is a project that we've really wanted to do for quite a long time and you know for one reason or another haven't really been able to get it off the ground but here it is our first episode and we've you know you know jake we we talk a lot during the day and we've been kind of just (laughs) like you know kind of like typing the letter a a lot to each other over the course of the last week just to kind of (laughs) express our excitement so we're here yeah (laughs) and we're really excited about it i have yeah like you say we've been thinking about doing this for a long time and you know when we finally kind of decided to pull the trigger we started you know getting all the resources together we started thinking about what we were going to talk about who we were going to talk with uh all the different like logistics i had to go into it making all the different accounts on different sites and all that stuff it like it finally felt real like I, this is something we had both been like thinking about doing and wanting to do for so mm-hmm. long and now it's happening and we're here and we're talking and hopefully people are listening Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. And if you've made it this far already, thanks so much <laughs> for tuning in. And we hope that you'll stick around for the rest of this episode. And, and we'll hopefully see you for next time. The rest of our episodes. <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, real quick, we're just going to kind of talk about who each of us are. And we're going to try and make this as brief as possible because I know that's not why you're here. Uh, so, of course, my name is Brendan Lewis. Uh, I go by Mr. Dog 46 online. And uh, I'm kind of most known in the community at this point as uh, a caster, uh, as is Jake, where we both, you know, do a lot of work uh, for Critical Hit, um, which is probably the the biggest and most influential grassroots stream right now. So that's where we are. And of course, I I also am a player, contrary to popular (laughs) belief. I've done pretty well at my last few events, so please take me seriously. It makes (laughs) me sad. It makes me really sad. (laughs) And uh, in uh, real life situations i am a doctor of physical therapy i work at a skilled nursing home uh i walk russians most of the day that's that's kind of what i do um for a living and jake i'll turn it over to you yeah well you walk your russians i'm usually sitting at a computer trying to code something i am a master's student in atmospheric science i'll be finishing my master's in about a year or so hopefully and then moving on to a phd Uh, as far as pokemon goes i've been playing since 2013 had some pretty good results, I like to think. Uh, I won the biggest online tournament in a long time. It hold that record for a little bit. Uh, I think a couple of smuggling tournaments have passed it. But I still like to say that to people who want to know and also don't care. Uh, I won't question you on it. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to fact check that. <laughs> uh, I'm also the tier leader of uh, Doubles AU on Smogon and a super moderator there. So I uh, really enjoy competitive Pokemon, whether it be BGC or Doubles AU or any other Smogon formats. Uh, I'm pretty knowledgeable about some of those not all of them i've tried to dabble in singles not done too well so far but for the most part i got my start in vgc i still i love vgc i love playing i love commentating like brendan said i've jumped behind the desk i've got a few regionals now uh, hopefully some more in the future but that's pretty much it we're both kind of just pokemon nerds that love talking about it so that's kind of why we decided to start this podcast yeah, I guess that's really what sums it up, is that we feel strongly enough about this game and about this community that hopefully we can create some content that is, uh, you know, contributing positively to a scene that we've taken a lot from. Um, right. So we'll dive into 
you know, kind of what we hope to achieve with this podcast. And we've talked a little bit about, you know, why and how we ended up uh, finally launching it. But as far as our goals of this podcast, obviously this is going to be, you know, a, a podcast focused on competitive Pokemon. No, we will not be talking at length about the national decks and what may or may not be <laughs> in it. This is, you know, mainly competitively focused here. And of course, it's going to be a VGC emphasis as we are... VGC players at heart. Of course, Jake, you know, has a, a separate life on Smogon, but, you know, that's both where we've kind of, uh, you know, come into our names in the right. community. Yeah, and definitely then, a, a more of a VGC emphasis, but if we're starved for content, I'm certainly not afraid of shoving DOU down your throats. <laughs> Jake reserves the right <laughs> to speak about DOU on this podcast. Exactly. And uh, if you... Hopefully we'll pick it up from our tone so far, but we really do want this to be something that's laid back and fun to listen to, uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, we are playing a children's video game, um, and I think, you know, in certain situations and scenarios, it's fine to address it as such, and hopefully you guys have fun, uh, as much fun listening to this as we hope to have making it, so in that sense, we do have, you know, some ideas of things that are going to be kind of silly, some on topic, some off topic, but there will be some serious discussions discussion mixed in right obviously as a competitive pokemon podcast we want to actually be talking about competitive pokemon even if it is in a more laid-back manner we're going to cover you know major events for example this episode is largely going to be uh, an naic recap as that happened just a couple weeks ago and it's probably the largest tournament in america at least throughout the year uh, i'm sure once we get into more the more meat of the season or now we're in a bit of a break before worlds but when we have regionals going on we'll be talking about regional previews, regional recaps. Uh, we'll hit on some of the smaller events like mid-season showdowns and premier challenges as well. Right, and that's, I think, one of the things that I'm personally really excited about bringing to this podcast is that not only are we going to be having recaps of these big events, like for this week, we will, we will be talking about NAIC, uh, but if you're anything like me, I love to look at top cut of LATAM PCs and stuff <laughs> like that just to see what people are coming up with, you know, when sort of... Uh, you know, removed from the larger events, what rises to the top at some of these smaller events, and I think it's really cool. Uh, and in addition, we are going to be bringing a little bit of a feature on the VGC Online Showdown ladder as well, which mm -hmm. I think some of those teams uh, are end up being very influential when we get into, you know, some of the bigger events offline. Um, so we'll definitely take a peek at those. Yeah, I and, think it's important uh, to keep online, you know, at the forefront too, because... Yeah, we have events, you know, every few weekends or so, at least majors, but yeah, pretty much everyone's always playing online, and if you don't know who Bwahakov is, you really didn't play back in 2017, <laughs> because <laughs> there are so many people that, who, <laughs> just the mention of that name would strike fear into their hearts, and so, obviously, uh, that never really showed up at live events, but it was such an integral part of the community for such a long time that it's kind of, it would be... You'd be doing a disservice to just completely ignore that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and it got to the point where people in live events were respecting Rockslide uh, <laughs> like Rock, so that's kind of wild. And I guess that's you know kind of Jake's point in the sense that it does uh, become a very important influence on live events. Uh, another piece of content that we do want to bring to you guys is guests. Just about every week, and uh, Jake and I were very much on the same page about what kind of way we wanted to integrate these guests into our podcast because. 
you know, at the end of the day, this is our podcast, but also at the end of the day, maybe the end of the next day, there are a lot of people <laughs> that have some really cool things to say in the community. And we really wanted to focus the guest portion of the content uh, on kind of like, you know, what these players are known for. What have they done recently? What kind of teams have they run? Did they recently win an event? So that's kind of something that we both feel very strongly about. And right. we hope to bring you some really cool content in that regard. Yeah. And honestly, if you get tired of listening to our voices, just stick around to the end. Uh, you'll I'm usually already tired of listening to Jake's voice. I'm tired of listening to my <laughs> voice, too. This has been tough. It's only been <laughs> six minutes. Uh, but for the most part, like Wendon said, most every week, uh, we can't guarantee every week we'll have a guest. But today we will have one, as you will see later. Yeah, and I'm really excited that this is going to be uh, the guest for our first yeah. uh, our first episode here. But we'll get into that in a little bit. And uh, finally, what we do want to touch on real quick is that Hopefully, if you've come to this podcast, you have seen our logo uh, already, and it is just absolutely phenomenal. I am absolutely obsessed. phenomenal. So, there's an artist on Smogon that has done some art for the Double Zoo tier, uh, and I reached out to him and asked him if he'd be willing to do some art for this podcast. And I mentioned that we wanted to have uh, Snover and Mr. Mime, like pretty much doing a podcast themselves, you know, wearing headphones with a mic. And he said, "Oh, Mime Junior is my favorite Pokemon. I accept." And no less than three days later, I think, he had this beautiful logo completely finished. So big, huge, giant thank you to Amir Alexander on Smogon. We love you so much. I teared up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just full-on bald. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. So yeah, big thank you to him, and uh, I'm really excited that that is going to be kind of our, our, well, it is our logo, and like I said to Jake, it's also our content creator badge, so exactly. that's something that's very important for us in the community, it means a lot, so big thank you to him. All right, enough about us and about the podcast, we're going to jump kind of right into uh, the meat of our content here, where we will be touching on NAIC in just a minute, but before that, we're going to start off with a piece of the show that I have affectionately referred to as Ladder Greatest Hits, <laughs> and this is something that hopefully we'll be able to bring just about every episode and it does feature the top 25 teams on the ladder. So we'll uh, touch on that a little bit with a little bit of uh, information that we've managed to glean from replays on Showdown. But please keep in mind uh, that people are, on occasion, very diligent about hiding their battles. Right. So uh, we're, we've managed to pull up basically as much as we can here. Yeah, I think about you know, 10 or so of the top 25 had no replays available, and so... We do have about 15 teams to talk about uh, from the top 25 of the ladder as of yesterday, I believe. And so, yeah. uh, pretty interesting stuff. You know, the team number one, pretty much a box standard team. It was Groudon, Xerneas, Tapu Lele, Salamence, Amogus, and Cineroar. Uh, kind of and a we actually do he, Right, and we actually do know whose alt that was after he tweeted about it. That was Paul Chua, who yeah. ended up <laughs> topping with uh, a team that he's pretty well known for now after he won, uh, I believe, Madison yep. Regional with it, where it did feature, you know, the fast, timid roar, Groudon. Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course, Tapu Lele. After seeing Tapu Fini on that archetype so much, uh, Lele was kind of Paul's, maybe not his personal spin on it, but he ended up kind of taking it as his own, and that's kind of where uh, that particular archetype ended up. Yeah, Lele's kind of cool in that archetype because you know, Fini gives you a more defensive option, but Fini paired with Groudon usually likes to abuse stuff like uh, Swagger or Heal Pulse or something like that. And with Paul's Groudon, it was the Max Timid Eruption Earth Power one, and so obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't really care about Swagger. He'll also be good with something like Eruption, but it's not as useful uh, as it would be with a more bulky Groudon. And so uh, knowing that Tapafini may not be more very important on that kind of team, he just goes for Tapalele instead, which supports Xerneas. Uh, I'm not going to say supports Xerneas more than Fini, because Fini is more of a support Pokemon in nature, but it supports Xerneas differently in a pretty important way. 
Agreed. And it also kind of contributes to, uh, you know, what's kind of been uh, attributed to Paul as a play style kind of thing where you just kind of like have a lot of really fast Pokemon mm-hmm. and you like kind of like click attacks and win all the speed ties and stuff like that. So I feel like Scarf Lele really lends itself to, yeah. to what Paul has become known for. Yeah. <laughs> the second team is kind of reminiscent of a 2016 team and the fact that it has a Jumpluff. Uh, we got Groudon, Lunala, Coco, Mawile, Jumpluff, Aerodactyl. Uh, Really, I think the only two Pokemon it shares are the Groudon and Jumpluff, but it's a kind of a throwback to Arash's team that he won, I believe, Germany Nationals with in 2016. Yeah, so there's clearly a pretty heavy Tailwind focus, which yeah. is definitely something that we've seen uh, in the format up to this point with the success of Tornadus. And speaking of the success of Tornadus, that does kind of come in at third. <laughs> yep. uh, for anybody that plays the ladder, that is Nontaro at third on the ladder with Groudon, Xerneas, Tapukoko, Kangaskhan, Tornadus, and Amoongus. And Jake and I both feel strongly about the <laughs> Kangtorn archetype, uh, so we won't get too much into it uh, at this time. More on that later. <laughs> uh, coming up right. in fourth, we have Kyogre, Solgaleo, Tapufini, Salamence, Togemaru, and Incineroar. Kind of an interesting team. I, I really like the whole Kyogre plus like sturdy steel type archetype in general because Kyogre doesn't mm-hmm. really have a whole lot to offer against Xerneas, but if you have something like Solgaleo... Uh, that's pretty much always going to be threatening Xerneas. It's a pretty good complement to Kyogre. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of a comp that is sort of reminiscent of some of the stuff that we saw people running like near the end of Sun series mm-hmm. and maybe in part of Moon series, with Solgaleo not really showing up too much uh, in the Ultra series. So kind of interesting to see it come back. And uh, even back in Sun and Moon series, Solgaleo was also kind of one of those things where you're like, uh, I don't really want <laughs> Stack Attack on this team, so let me try this and see right. what I can do with the, with the other four. Uh, you know, what can I add to the Stack Attack a slot if I shift the Steel into the second restricted slot? Yeah, I think the biggest Solgaleo team we saw in Moon series, at least, was the Zygarde Solgaleo team that did pretty well in right, right, uh, right, a few right. regionals. Right, and at number five on the ladder here as we move on, Jake, we start to see one of our first kind of cookie cutter-esque Kyogre Rayquaza mm-hmm. teams with Kyogre Rayquaza, Tapu Fini, Stack Attacka, Togedemaru, and Incineroar. And that does kind of fit a lot of uh, kind of what the recipe for Rayogre has been established as. Yeah, definitely. It has a lot of the elements that we see on Rayogre in general. Uh, Stack Attacka is pretty big as a you know Trick Room option and uh, more importantly as Xerneas option. Uh, Incineroar pretty common. Kyogre has much higher special defense, so Incineroar is such a great partner for Kyogre. It also threatens something like uh, Ferrothorn then might, you know, kind of walk Kyogre immediately otherwise. Right, and we're going to jump down to nine here after three slots where we were unable to pull replays. And uh, this is something that was kind of interesting to me when I was pulling these teams is that Xerneas Lunala remains a really strong ladder team, even mm-hmm. though it really didn't have too much of a showing at NAIC outside of our buddy uh, Kevin Swastik, who was yeah. able to sneak into top 16 with it. But that was a little bit uh, of a different take one that belonged uh, more to him as opposed to this one here at number nine, which was just the kind of the standard Xerneas, Lunala, Tapulele, Lucario, Smeargle, and Incineroar. Yeah, I think minus the Incineroar, that was the same six that won Senior Nationals. I don't remember that six. It might have been Crobat. Mm, no, it wasn't I, Crobat. I, I, I don't know. It's very similar to the team maybe that it won. Maybe it was Incineroar. <laughs> it, it, it could have been. That's true. <laughs> right. It was similar to the team that won Senior Nationals, which is kind of the standard uh, Xerneas Lunala team that we've been seeing all year. Right, and it continues to amaze me how Lucario is truly the know. pin on a <laughs> it's team ridiculous. Like, like that. But moving on, uh, down to 12, as we do are on kind of a run of uh, a dearth of replays here, but at number 12 is Suicide Seagull <laughs> with Kyogre, Lunala, Tapu Koko, Salamence, Stack Attacka, and Salazzle. I don't know Wingo learned Explosion. 
it could be Destiny Bond. You don't know. Oh, true, true, true. <laughs> uh, this is a kind of a different team, though. Kyogre Lunella, not really something that uh, popped up too often. Obviously, it did get second at NEIC, but uh, really before that, there weren't a lot of big results with it. And I know that's something that Brendan and I were really hoping we would face at NEIC, but we never yeah, did. It, it sure <laughs> was. <laughs> Feel like everyone sense, else got to play it except us. <laughs> yeah, it, I was kind of frustrated about that. <laughs> but anyway, it's kind of a weird archetype in the sense that you just have to like find any Veltal matchup yeah. <laughs> somewhere. And Tapu Koko helps, but like, is it truly any Veltal matchup on its own? Uh, not so much. Yeah. Not so much. And we're going to jump down to 15 here, where we see the first of uh, two kind of interesting Necrozma Duskmane teams at number 15 here. Necrozma Duskmane, Xerneas, Tapulele, Kangaskhan, Tapufini, and Incineroar. This is pretty similar to the team that won Bristol, I believe. I know it was Duskmane, Xerneas. Uh, but interesting composition. I feel like something like this is pretty, um, like pretty heavy on the hyper offensive end, uh, especially because oh, we do have the we have the Necrozma Lele combination. Uh, pretty safe to assume that this is also Ultra Necrozma, and so uh, something like a Psychic Terrain boosted Photon Geyser or Light That Burns the Sky going to be blowing up a lot of stuff. And it's similar. I think it's kind of similar to uh, Lunala Xerneas in the fact that. The restricted partner can pretty much blow up anything at once in order to pave the way for Xerneas, but Xerneas doesn't really support the other two often. Right, yeah, and I think that's kind of the goal. It seems to be the goal, right, where you just mm -hmm. kind of set up pins and help Xerneas take down the things that it can't. But, of course, that archetype does kind of have, I would say, not a favorable matchup against Xerneas Lunala, and if you can't really fudge that, right. I, don't, I don't know why you would use it instead of Xerneas Lunala. Um Anyway, down to 17 here. Uh, this one was, I was kind of laughing when I saw it on the ladder because it looks kind of like they <laughs> took the popular Rayogre teams at NAIC and then yeah. traded out Kyogre <laughs> for Groudon. Uh, so this right. team is Groudon, Rayquaza, Tapufini, Mimikyu, Celesteela, and Incineroar. And of course, Mimikyu and Celesteela were both on uh, the two top-placing Rayogre teams with uh, Wolfclick and John Evans, respectively. So it's kind of interesting to see them both show up on a Groudon Rayquaza team. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like you said, it's pretty much a smashing together of the two common Ryogre teams and their random techs. Uh, like, Wolf had the Celesteela, and uh, John and the whole, like, Ryogre pipeline team building group all had that Mimikyu, and so kind of funny to see them together on a team that very easily could be Ryogre, except the Ogre decided to uh, summon the sun instead of the rain. Yep, and as we all know, Tapu Fini is basically Kyogre, so it's, it's, like a, it's a pretty fair exchange, I think. Right, right. Um, uh, the next team at 18 is Necrozma Duskmane, the second of the two Necrozma Duskmane teams here. Eveltal as the second restricted, and then Tapulele, Mawile, Smeargle, and Togedemaru. So that's a big departure from a lot of the things we've right. seen. I don't know if that restricted combination has shown up anywhere. I don't think I've ever seen it, personally. And Eveltal with Lele kind of screams that it's not Sucker Punch, just because that's some pretty strong anti-synergy. Although, yeah, you make, I guess... Mawile. Eveltal kind of makes you think about running Sucker Punch, so... On on both, on Mawile and Eveltal. Yeah, that's exactly. That's kind of like the, the calling card of the, the pairing there. Uh, I w right. I'd wonder if this team is Trick Room Necrozma. Uh, maybe, oh. like, possibly not Ultra, because something like Mawile would really want Trick Room on its side. That's true, and there is uh, only Eveltal as a Tailwind option, so even those, like, max speed adamant Mawiles that were showing up at right. NAIC, <laughs> maybe not so much of an option here. Yeah. And down to 20, this is my favorite team uh, oh on our God. list here, number 20, which is Xerneas Lunala. Uh, not too bad. Ditto, Lopani, Blacephalon, and Persian Alola. 
So that is just like kind of a lot to take in. There's two fake outs and then just a whole bunch of things that like to click attacks. This is something that you like sit down to play, you get into team preview and you just immediately and you cry. have a heart attack. You just your heart and just you stops. Cry. You do yeah. You cry, you like bleed internally, you <laughs> immediately go into cardiac arrest. This is not the yeah. kind of thing you want to play against because even though it looks like super janky and like objectively is super janky there's so many things on this team that like could do so many different things like i don't know if i saw blacephal on it team preview i would have no idea what to expect <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say is like Blacephalon has uh, the effect on me of the reaction that you were just describing not to mention <laughs> lopunny and ditto right. thrown in there and that's one of those teams where you look at it where it's just gonna be like Calm Mind Lunala or something, like, <laughs> right. or Scarf Lunala. You just you just have to know that something like that is coming. It's going to be Z Persian Alola, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just really scary. Definitely, uh, you understand why something like that was able to get towards the top of the ladder, especially yeah. if it's in talented hands. Right. Uh, we're going to skip over twenty one, where Pippiner two holds the slot, and that's a ladder name that everybody knows, of course. But he does hide his replays. And uh, at 22 is uh, a pretty standard-looking mm -hmm. Xerneas Lunala team that does feature Tapu Lele, uh, Metagross, Smeargle, and Incineroar. And, of course, Metagross is starting to pop on, on a whole bunch of different archetypes at this point in the format. Yeah, Metagross is cool. It has a pretty strong matchup against a lot of things, obviously Xerneas being a big one. But, yeah, it Steel is a pretty underrated attacking type, in my opinion, because it it's not resisted by a whole lot of things. You know, Metagross... It's a really strong Pokemon in its own right. Now, paired with Tabulele, you would imagine it has Zen Headbutt, which will be threatening a whole lot of things uh, with that Psychic Terrain boost. And then Smeargle and Cinderor, pretty common supports on uh, Zernala team. Right, and the last two slots at 24 and 25 are two pretty standard comps. The first one being Xerneas, Lunala, Tabulele, Lucario, Smeargle, and Cinderor, which of course we've touched on. Very strong mm -hmm. arch archetype that didn't show up at Masters and AIC, but of course did win the event in Seniors. And finally is Kyogre, Rayquaza, Tapu Koko, Metagross, Tokenimaru, and Incineroar. And this one is kind of another one of those things that has just kind of like a team-building quirk where it's like, ah, man, I really want an electric type. <laughs> I'll take both. I'll, I'll, just, yeah. I'll just go for <laughs> it. <laughs> Maybe we'll throw Discharge in there. Yeah, I guess you could. Koko, Tokenimaru could be indicative of Discharge, but... Uh, again, it's a pr kind of a standard Rayogre comp. Tapu Koko pops up on those a lot, which I like a lot because it gives you a pretty strong matchup against both opposing Rayquaza and Kyogre, uh, kind of in one Pokemon. Definitely. So that does wrap up Ladder Greatest Hits for our first episode. Some interesting stuff, and I think it's fun to talk about for the you know the reasons we mentioned earlier. It obviously has an important impact on. Uh, the live event metagame. So right. we'll, uh, hopefully over the life of this podcast, we'll be keeping tabs on some of those teams for you guys. And for the next portion of our podcasts, really the meat of what this episode is going to be is the NAIC recap. Um, so those those teams, the, the top 64 and the usage and, and the day two and the top eight, those teams are all available on various media throughout the community, be it Victory Road, Trainer Tower, uh, maybe you have you know, you know your favorite bootleg uh, Photoshop user <laughs> who can you know throw all those top eight teams into a, a nice little graphic for you. But of course, there's plenty of places to find them. Um, so hopefully, you're somewhat familiar with some of the teams that have done well now. But Jake and I are going to touch on some of what we felt were the storylines right. here uh, coming out of NAIC. 
And just for reference, all of these resources will be linked in the description as well if you don't know where to find them. Uh, we are mainly looking at, you know, Trainer Town and Victory Road, like we said. Uh, Twitter user Temporal VGC also made a really cool graphic that showed the different restricted pairs that were in top 64, so that will be linked as well as we will probably be hitting on it. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, Jake, you know, we when we were putting together this podcast, we did put together a few storylines, and this was one that you kind of brought up that didn't even really occur to me until I went back through uh, some of the teams that were there, mm-hmm. and that being that, uh, you know, there are a whole bunch of teams uh, throughout the top 64 that look pretty familiar, and we talked about yeah. that a little bit as as it pertains to, you know, Ray Ogre and Xerneas Lunala when we were talking about ladder teams, is that, you know, the, those teams have a recipe, right? With, with Kyogre Rayquaza, you throw in an electric type, uh, you pick a bulky steel type, and, you know, you want an Incineroar, toss that in there, and basically you have a Ray Ogre team. Yeah. Um, and, and those did show up, but also on the other side is we saw just some random nonsense <laughs> that ended up doing so well. And, of course, I'm, I'm going to pedal back a little bit because nonsense is a bit much if you got CP at NAIC exactly. with your team. Yeah. Like, all power to you. But, you know, definitely Pokemon that we saw that nobody could have reasonably expected to sneak its way into CP contention. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because there's a pretty strong dichotomy between, like, top 8 and even top 16 and then the rest of top 64. Because if you look at top 8... Uh, other than Graham Amity, who got second with a team that no one could have ever built, even like in their sleep. <laughs> no, uh, no. But the other seven teams in top eight, pretty standard looking. Obviously, we hadn't seen Wolf's team before. Uh, John Paul Lopez Buiz's team looks like a pretty standard uh, X-Ray team. Uh, John mm-hmm. Evans has a Rayoga team that... The Mimikyu is obviously something new, but the other five, pretty reasonable. Melvin's been using that team all year, and so I'd, I think we would have been surprised to see something that wasn't that. And then right. 6, 7, and 8 all had the different variations of the King Torn team that's been popping up for the last couple months or so. And so now top 8 minus Graham, pretty reasonable. Top 16, most of the same storyline. Uh, then you get into some of top 32. Uh, and this is, granted, this is still day 2, so everyone in top 32 was playing on day 2. They qualified from day 1. But even, like, you look at Chef's team, Ben Grismer in 19th place, you see mm-hmm. Lopini Naganadel, and you think, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and then you that's get down different. to... I mean, obviously you have, like, Ragav, who has the same team as John Evans. You have Aaron Trailer, who has the same team as Wolf. But then you also have Juwan Kim, who's running Lilligant Zoroark. And then of course. Fidget, who's <laughs> running Breloom Walrein. And so uh, kind of these fun, like, sync pairs that we'll hit uh, a little bit later on in this segment. But it's a really, it's a really fun... Mishmash of you know things you would exactly expect from certain people, and things you would not expect from anyone. Yeah, I think it's always interesting, and and uh, I think that some of these these way way offbeat Pokemon, a lot more like e- there's always one team, right? There's always somebody that you know uh, throws a whole bunch of hyper offense mons, and one of them is uh, I don't know Metacham for lack yeah. of a better example <laughs> at this point, and manages to sneak into day two just by you know making a couple reads or like Uh having just an offensive combo that the meta at large isn't prepared for. But I think in top 30, like there's a lot of them, like a relative lot of them with uh, Excadrill, Roserade, of course, uh, Sam Arzma, uh, Dr. Fidget with that Breloom Walrein that he just seems to get CP at every event he brings to for (laughs) some reason. So I I think it's really cool. Like it showed up, stuff like that showed up a little bit more at this event than I, I think I would have expected it to. Yeah, definitely. But it's really cool to see, though. I think, especially in these restricted formats, if you can find like wacky different support Pokemon that support your main restricteds even better, I, that, this is the kind of format to use them in. Just because I think the name of the game in a format with all these incredibly powerful Pokemon is that if you can facilitate them 
to do as much damage as possible, then you're probably going to have a pretty good time. Definitely, and it, those teams did show up here. Uh, absolutely. And uh, Jake, you touched on some of the Ray Ogre stuff that showed up mm -hmm. at this event. We touched on how it is cookie cutter to an extent, uh, but what I really want to talk about is uh, you and I have been kind of referring to it as the Ray Ogre pipeline, which right. I think is, I think I think the community refers to it as the Ray Ogre discord, and it's kind of a joke <laughs> among people about how, whether or not you've earned your invite to the Ray Ogre discord. Right. Uh, but what it managed to pump out uh, for this event was the, the Ray Ogre with uh, Metagross and Mimikyu alongside Tapu Koko and Incineroar, which are pretty standard on the event. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, on the archetype, and, right. I, and I thought that was pretty pretty interesting um, adaptation that they had, and, and I don't know if you saw it at all at the event, Jake, but I mm -hmm. uh, played Colin Hire in round two who was using it, and it's kind of a really cool team because Mimikyu weirdly does a really, like, is a really good offensive pairing to the restricted combination, and I kind of saw it in team preview, and I was like, okay, I'm not really afraid of Mimikyu, and then I was just playing around it for three games. It's, it's really <laughs> wild, and um, it kind of shows that these guys that have been playing with the archetype for the entire format are you mm -hmm. know, definitely on to something here and have a good idea of what they need to do with the team comp. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially for the mirror, because Mimikyu, uh, it was carrying the Mimikyu MZ, uh, so let's not go forever, had that at its disposal. And uh, especially in the mirror, a lot of times Ray doesn't really like facing other Ray because you have potential speed ties, and a lot of it can come down to... You know, who Dragon Ascends first or last and gets the defense drop mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And so Mimikyu, right. uh, with that disguise ability, it can just sit in front of Ray as long as it has its disguise intact, uh, throw off a Let's Snuggle Forever and just delete it. And I think we saw on stream John Evans, he just blew back his Xerneas with Let's Snuggle Forever too. Yeah, he just uh, one-shot it. That was, that was. Uh, I mean, like, I I think while we were watching the match, I'm not sure if I was with you at this point, Jake, but we pulled out the calc and we were like, oh my god, it's actually going to do it. <laughs> and as soon as he, like, he got the Let's Snuggle Forever onto the slot, uh, and it, it it went away, and I guess right. that kind of shows it's it's an interaction you don't really think about too much with other things besides Xerneas utilizing Fairyora. So uh, yeah. a really interesting Pokemon in that regard. And of course, we did touch on Metagross a little bit, which has shown up on a number of different archetypes in just top 32 alone. It showed up on mm -hmm. X-Ray. Uh, it showed up on, of course, Kevin's team with the Xerneas Lunala. So a really cool Pokemon that did find its way onto uh, a couple of high-placing uh, Ray Ogre teams that did come out of the pipeline there. And yep. uh, one more thing that we did talk about, Jake, uh, as, as it regards to the pipeline, is even the later, the older version of the Ray Ogre pipeline yep. team managed to, to make day two. Yeah, I was about to say that. You know, I think uh, Ragav is probably one of the most well-known like members of the Ray Ogre pipeline, as we call it. Obviously, Colin Hire mm -hmm. as well. Uh, but we, we had Ragav, we had John, we had, I believe, one more player using that team in day two. But we also I had Shohei. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we also had yeah. Diana Bros and Kayla Breyer using the prior version of that team, uh, the Madison version, which Colin made top four with and Jive Time got finals with. Uh, it's still mm -hmm. Rayogur, uh, Coco, and Cinderor, but it's the Stack Attack of Winsicott version. Uh, and so maybe the two of them not super up with the. Uh, Railgrid pipeline. Maybe they didn't have their invites to the Discord they yet. Weren't but they weren't allowed to the this event because they both did place <laughs> in uh, top 32, making day two with that. You know, I'm not gonna say outdated because Madison really wasn't that long ago, and clearly the team still functions very well, but just not the most up-to-date version of it. Right, and it does go to kind of maybe uh, I don't know if we can anoint the archetype so much yet, but definitely at least that group of team builders are are clearly clearly on to something. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, and definitely something to watch as we go towards Worlds. And Jake, we alluded to it earlier, 
the fall and fall of <laughs> Kang Torn. Uh, Originally, we were going to talk so about the rise and fall of Kang Torn, but I changed it because I personally, this is my opinion, don't come for me. I really <laughs> don't like it at all. I just don't. <laughs> Right, and and I agree with you there, and I think that one of the, you know, we kind of, I know you had a match that you really want to talk about, but this kind of matchup (laughs) that you ended up playing is kind of the reason that it's, it's maybe not something that's so consistent, and of course that it managed to make all those top eights, but in the hands of just like three phenomenal players, Um, and I think, you know, if you had given just about any team to Kyle or Pato or Ashton, that they would have you know, made a pretty good run at top cut and that maybe this isn't necessarily so uh, like, like a nod to the, the archetype as much as these three players. I, yeah, I, like you said, I think these three players are phenomenal and probably would have done as well as I did with any team, but uh, Kyle specifically has kind of been carrying this archetype along with Joseph pretty Mm -hmm. much the whole year. They've been the two like champions of it, I would say. And uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're both, they're great players. All four of these people, we just mentioned great players, teams, Eh. Eh. like Como in 2019 I just don't get it (laughs) I think this team in general just kind of relies on people not knowing how to play against it it's a pretty good ladder team because you can pretty much stomp through best of one pretty easily with it and I respect that aspect of it but I think as soon as you have played it a few times on ladder and you get to a best of three event and you sit down and see that team in team preview I think you have a general idea of how you need to go about playing against it Uh, like most of the time this team leads King Torn they try to you know, sacrifice one or both of them while they have speed control in their favor and then set up a Zern or Komo or fire off eruptions with Groudon. And I think if you right. if you can manage to make those trades like either neutral or in your favor, that's pretty much not a loss for that team because especially if you can like match Tailwind or something, like you have your own Tailwind user and you get Tailwind up as they do and they no longer have the speed advantage, then it's kind right. of like, and well... <laughs> Oh well. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, then the team folds as soon as there's no speed advantage. And and I think one of the things about the team um and I likened it to 2017 EV in this regard is that it kind of like preys on knowing what your flowchart against it yes. is going to be. Yeah, exactly. If if that makes any sense is that you know, you have your your Tornadus out on the field and you're looking at a Salamence and you're going to taunt the Salamence so that you can get your Tailwind next turn. Well, what happens if Salamence just clicks Hyper Voice? Yeah. <laughs> you know, then, you know, everything kind of goes away. And, you know, if the other slot does something meaningful, then it's like a super easy way to, to make trades in your favor on, on turns one, two, three, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, it, uh, it ended up folding in top eight uh, for a yep. couple of different reasons. And, <laughs> Um, one had nothing to do with uh, battle itself. Yeah, yeah we don't need to talk about and <laughs> it just kind of showed like how it kind of just kind of collapsed against players that had a game plan with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I didn't get to see the matches of all these players over the course of the weekend, and I'm sure they made some insane plays and and things of that nature. But uh, on the on the bright stage, it did kind of fold there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So Jake and I do want to talk about uh, our team that we ran at NAIC right now because we were really excited about it and we think it was a cool call. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up bringing Eveltal Groudon with Nihiligo, um and Stack Attacka and uh, Tapu Fini and Salamence. Yep. And we thought it was really neat and I, we think it was a cool call, but uh, we didn't end up getting a lot of the matchups <laughs> that we really wanted to play against. And uh, we talked to a bunch of people over the course of the day 
And one person in particular uh, I kept talking to was like, oh, man, last round I played Ultra Necrozma. It was so hard. <laughs> oh, man, I just I just played Lunala Kyogre. Man, that was yeah. kind of tough for me. And I was like, why can't I have this? I was playing Zernia's <laughs> Groudon all day. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a good – a good. Uh, it does exemplify the matchup roulette nature of this uh, format, but also it was a really fun team. A little bit, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't want to blame at least my run on matchup for that because there, my losses were certainly, you know, legit, and I knew that real losses. Yeah, yeah. yeah nothing was mm-hmm. crazy stupid or anything. Like I, I'm not distraught about how NAIC went, other than I wish I would have done a little bit better. But I honestly, I loved this team. It was so much fun. I think both of us knew for a while that we wanted to use Evil Tell at this tournament. I personally wanted to mm-hmm. use it uh, really since Hartford when Tommy won with Psy Spam. I figured. Okay, Evil Tall is going to be really good, and then people kept using that kind of team. Uh, Lunala started popping up again, and that's when I thought, okay, yeah, I'm definitely losing, definitely using uh, Evil Tall because it just has such a strong matchup against uh, a lot of things that I didn't play in NAIC. Not mad. Right, I was going <laughs> to say that too, is I feel like I left but, it behind more than I brought it, which was just yeah. <laughs> it was still great though. Like I, we were considering uh, Kyogre instead of Groudon, and we had Tapu Koko in the Fini slot on that team, mm-hmm. but I think we were like so terribly afraid of playing Ferrothorn because there was pretty much an instant yes. loss that we both there was no chickened out and went back to Groudon. <laughs> right. And I've told this story to a couple of people, but I was finished with the Kyogre version when I played a game on ladder. I got two turns to double uh, double target a Ferrothorn, <laughs> and on the second turn, my opponent says nice try. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, we don't now. have to play this variant anymore. <laughs> right. And Groudon was good. I think it was a, it was a fun call. Yeah. And... Uh, mm, Another thing we, we touched on briefly during the latter portion of our, our discussion here, Jake, is that XL kind of like disappeared almost entirely yeah. from Masters NAIC cut with the exception of uh, Kevin Swastik, which is, I mean, he, he ended up, you know, building a team and I think he told us he laddered a lot with it and mm-hmm. really it was maybe a little bit better prepared for the metagame that it ended up finding itself in in Masters, whereas maybe the Lucario version wasn't. So kind of interesting to see it fall, but another... Uh, congratulations to Kevin there. And uh, a burning question that I'm sure a lot of players have here, Jake. Is Metacham a real Pokemon? <laughs> Please discuss. I mean, objectively, yes, it is a Pokemon. It has a deck entry number. <laughs> you can catch it. I think you can catch Metatite. Uh, I forget where. Definitely in, like, uh, Ruby and Sapphire. I forget what route. So, yes, it is a Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But it is it a good one? <laughs> that remains to be seen. I think... Uh, you know, maybe pure power is just really underestimated as an ability right. because I'm pretty sure on stream uh, Graham did like in excess of 50% to a Rayquaza switch in with a high jump kick and I was like, um, excuse me? Yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and it, it seemed like he had some sort of an idea with what he was doing there with the, the poison jab and the bullet punch, you know, try to get mm-hmm. the most out of the turns when, you know, maybe it's done its job if it attacks twice. If it fakes out and gets an attack off, then that's, you know, it's probably done its job. And it seemed to, to gel well with the rest of what, uh, you know, played like a hyper-offensive team. But it's definitely interesting to see something that was literally, it wasn't even, like, a thought in anybody's mind. It's not like one of these Pokemon where you're like, oh, okay, uh, you know, Excadrill's been showing up a little bit. It does this thing. I, I've, I've seen it once or twice on ladder. Like, nobody was ready for Metacham. No. And I think it made a lot of sense on Graham's team as well because Metacham is incredibly strong. Uh, just like Graham, but mm, mm-hmm. uh, I think one thing that is usually used as a strike against it, but in this case may have actually worked in Graham's favor, is that it's also really frail. 
So you have something that can come on. It's a generally fast fake out. It ties Kangaskhan uh, if it's Jolly. Uh, but you know, it's a faster fake out. It has you know the option to do a lot of damage with a high jump kick. Uh, but it also mm. gets knocked out by pretty much anything. And if you're leaving Metacham next to your Tailwind Lunala and you want a free switch on turn one, uh, as Metacham gets knocked out, that's not necessarily a bad thing because if you get well, your your Lunala plus whatever else next to it in Tailwind with three turns to work with, that can uh, that can just end games immediately sometimes. So what you're saying is Metacham Lunala is a better version of Kang Torn? Hmm, I never thought about that. Joseph might fight me if I agree with you, so I'm going to say <laughs> no? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of cool Pokemon to make their way into CP at NAIC, I've uh, for those of you who are uh, already fans of Pokemon Masters, the gotcha <laughs> game that's going to be coming out <laughs> later this summer, uh, they do have sync pairs. Was kind of one of the few yep. things that they they tease here. So I've uh, kind of like assigned a couple of sync pairs that showed up at this tournament. And of course, Metacham probably now Graham's Spirit Pokemon. In addition to some of the other ones that are a little bit well-known in advance of the tournament, one of the best-known uh, ones being Gary Chan and Mewtwo. And I think he's yeah. cut he cut Nationals in 2016 with Mewtwo and has yeah, just kind of like played it all over the place. Yeah, and he's played it all over the place in the restricted format. So always cool uh, to see him get towards the top uh, with that one. And uh, the next one being Sun Dude, Juwan Kim, and his Lilligant. And it's always fun to see what he comes up with. He, his teams are wild. I've never played him, and I never want to, because I, I... Like I mentioned earlier, that's one of the teams you look at at Team Preview and just immediately collapse in your chair, because what are you supposed to do against Lilligant or Zoroark? <laughs> right, right. When... <laughs> the Lilligant that's on the field might not even be a Lilligant. Right. <laughs> how do you, how do you <laughs> play around on the field that? sucker punches you, and you're like, oh, that's that was a Lilligant. That's not good. Right, and Juwan's a super nice dude, so it's always nice yeah. to see him doing well at these tournaments. Mm -hmm. And, of course, with Lilligant. Another pair that we've seen often at the top tables, for some reason, is Dr. Fidget, <laughs> uh, Sam Arzva, and his Walrein Breloom combo. And this I one transcends formats, to. too. Like, I, he uses it this does. every year, and no one cracks it. And it, he cuts with it like every year. I think he's definitely cut multiple regionals with Breloom Walrein. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't know. And then he always <laughs> goes on Twitter, and he's like, "Why do people keep letting me get away with this?" <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that I think is funny is that it used to be Walrein, Breloom, and Chandelure, uh -huh. and uh, the years have not been kind to Chandelure, I guess, because it kind of lost. Have they been its kind to Walrein? I, d I don't know. Apparently, <laughs> kinder to Walrein than, than Chandelure. And uh, one Pokemon that I'm sure not too many people want to talk about is, of course, Shedinja. And two players over the course of this format have really defined the use of the Pokemon. The first one being Melvin K, who has, I think, just cut every international. <laughs> I'm not he's sure. Cut, he's like cut like five he's or six now. It's crazy. He's so consistent. It's unbelievable. He just shows up all over the place. And, of course, Chef uh, Ben Grismer, mm -hmm. who's been using that Shedinja Eveltal Groudon Lopunny combo. And uh, the legend is that he also kind of lent his uh, Shedinja knowledge to Wolf, who took it to top four at Berlin. Mm -hmm. Madison. Madison. Close enough. Yes, yes. <laughs> same thing, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, always cool to see players using, you know, what you would describe as their signature Pokemon yeah. uh, and taking it to, to a good... Uh, placement there. So a couple other things that we want to talk about now that we've discussed sync pairs a little bit is X-Ray. Yeah. 
X-ray. The best placing <laughs> X-ray was, uh, I believe, Javier Valdez, correct? No, there was one in top eight, uh, John Paul. Uh, oh, right, John Paul, which was a little bit more standard. But the format that won the most recent, or the, the archetype that won the most recent international really mm. had quite a fall from grace here. Yeah, there aren't too many in top 32 in day two. I can count two or three, I believe. Mm. Yeah, just two. So John Paul, who managed to get into top four, uh, and then Javier Valdez, like you said, who jumped into top 16. And hit, Javier's team was team. crazy. Uh, it was Scarf Xerneas, uh and... Yeah, yeah, Rayquaza. I played against I him, and he just gave yeah. me the absolute <laughs> hands. The yeah, absolute no, hands. Rayquaza, Xerneas, Metagross, Tapufini. Okay, pretty normal. Gastrodon, Mandibuzz. Yep. That's different. Oh, okay. Yeah, and <laughs> no, then when I you mean, know the sets, it really just kind of like adds <laughs> to the mystique. It was Scarf Xerneas, <laughs> and I think Caleb said it had Endeavor. I know Caleb played him and got blown back by Zerneas. Oh, really? I didn't even know yeah, that it got that. I, didn't I know it had Psy Shock because I was uh, in testing. X-Ray was like my favorite thing to face because Nihiligo just kind of like 1v4s it. And then I got Scarf Shy, Psy Shocked, and then Bullet Punched. <laughs> and then like yeah. Rayquaza surfed me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> no. So kind of an interesting archetype that kind of mysteriously disappeared, except yeah. for a team that, you know, I, that's one of those teams where if you gave it to anybody besides Javier, they wouldn't be able to play it. Oh, it's yeah. It's just like one of those things that you just kind of like know like the back of your hand. Right. It's, I think it's and interesting that the person who won the most recent international was also in top eight of this one, uh, Pado, and he was nowhere, he, he wasn't using uh, X-Ray himself anymore. So uh, I'm not mm -hmm. sure if the people that had been playing X-Ray decided, you know, maybe it's not a good call anymore. Maybe they got bored of it. Maybe they just wanted to do something different. You know, we saw Pato using that King Torn team. Uh, but mm -hmm. uh, it interesting that it just kind of died. Like, we did, really hadn't seen much of X-Ray since Berlin at all. Even in Madison, I don't think it popped up too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of an interesting disappearance. And in that regard, so was Lunadon, right. which is... Uh, the archetype that's been anointed by Gavin Michaels for this format, and I know he's <laughs> been kind of lab labbing it in the same way that some of the uh, Ray Ogre guys have been using it for mm -hmm. a couple a couple months now, I would think, and that didn't really show up at all. And and I know we talked about this as it pertained to our team, Jake. Right. Is like, can you give that archetype an Eveltal matchup? It's really hard because. Obviously, Evil Tall is a pretty, like, insanely hard stop to Lunala itself. Uh, Groudon, in some circumstances, can put a big chunk in Evil Tall, but it also takes a big chunk back. And Evil Tall is not really something that's super easy to, like, patch up with one Pokemon, just because a lot of right. a lot of the answers to Evil Tall involve, like, positioning around it and not letting it, you know, take over games. And there's not really one Pokemon. Maybe, like, Z-Move Coco. Uh, it's like one of a few things that can knock it out. Obviously, Xerneas is a pretty big issue for it, but on Lunadon, you can't run Xerneas. And so it's really, yeah, really difficult for Lunadon teams to patch up that matchup. And like on, on the, the team that Gavin and friends were using, uh, the four supports were Salamence, Dekataka, Feeny, and Incineroar. You know, Salamence can double-edge it and then probably get knocked out by foul play in return. Stagataka does a lot with Gyro Ball, so that's kind of a fair stop. Feeny, one of the best answers to Evil Tall, but again, not like an immediate offensive answer. And so... Right, it's just kind of a bunch of Pokemon that have like neutral at best matchups yeah, against Evil Tall. That's a very good like when it. when you have like something, it's just like it has so much bulk, especially given that it tends to run Assault Vest at this point in the format. Yeah. Now that the Z move portion is of the format is over, it's just like yeah. really difficult to get off the field. Like, 
Especially, even if it's Moonblast Moon Feeny, like, nice, you did 35%. Right. <laughs> and now you're going to get snarl, snarled and O-winged. And, like, how are you going to get it off yeah. the field? So I, th I, I, just, I think that, like, those kind of matchups is, in theory, that's, like, a really cool restricted pairing, mm -hmm. right? Where you just, like, have a, a, a good Pokemon as far as, like, guaranteed speed control and also threatening offense next to Groudon. Yeah. But I think Kent, maybe it struggles to get through things like Eveltal or even, like, opposing Tapu Fini. Yeah, and I think one of the big tells for like a, an archetype kind of losing its you know, steam as a, as a format progresses is the people that are the champions of it kind of setting it aside. Uh, I think mm -hmm. one thing that really stuck out to me back in Moon series was when uh, Alexander Hill won Collinsville with Luna Dunn. No, sorry, not one. Got second with Luna Dawn at Collinsville to Jake Major. Mm -hmm. But you know, afterwards, I believe it was Scott Glazer that tweeted, uh, if, you, if you showed me this team and asked me who was running it, I would have said Alexander Hill 10 times out of 10. And it's kind of yeah, the, like, yeah. it's, it's kind of that archetype that he's come to be known for. Like he won uh, Fort Wayne 2017 with a really hard Dragoon team. And it's just the kind of mm -hmm. team that you would expect from him. Uh, and if he, uh, not if, he definitely ditched it for, I think it's Grad Hunter in this tournament, but... Yeah. yeah, I played against them round one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah it, it, it's when these when these people that are known for using these archetypes, it, it, like we said for Pato too, like Pato put aside X-Ray to use Kangtorn at this tournament. And so kind of an right. interesting tell for both of those archetypes that maybe they're on their way out. Right. Yep. So those are kind of our thoughts here on the, uh, the, like, the, the results of NAIC. And, of course, uh, we are not the authority on any of these things. So if you guys have opinions on this and you want to interact with us on Twitter, we would love to yeah. have you. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming by. The first portion of our podcast here where we're able to discuss a whole bunch of different stuff uh, the latter, of course, is going to be something that we'll feature pretty regularly. And, of course, not every day we get to feature an NAIC recap, so that was pretty exciting. Some cool stuff happened there. And now we are going to wrap up the first person, per, portion <laughs> of our podcast here before we dive into the guest portion. And we are very excited this week to bring you uh, some content featuring Aaron Trailer on reality yes. on Twitter. Uh, he is one of the best people in in the community, and that's not even an opinion. That's a fact. You can ask like <laughs> anybody. Yeah. Uh, just a phenomenal presence in the community, and of course, he did pilot the team that Wolf ended up winning uh, the international championship with at this event. So, uh, like we said, with the personalized content, we feel like he's got a lot of cool stuff to talk about here, and stuff that nobody else can really talk about. So we're really excited to bring that to yeah. you. Uh, pretty soon. Pretty soon. <laughs> Right, and we are now here with our special guest of the week here, and as we mentioned, it is Aaron Trailer, known uh, to the wider Pokemon community as Unreality. Aaron, welcome to the thank first episode of the Soundproof Yay. Podcast. Thank you, thank you. I just flew in, and boy, are my arms tired. Oh, okay, this so concludes our interview with Aaron Trailer. <laughs> So, Aaron, we've got a couple things that we want to talk to you about. And, of course, our goal with the guests that we have is to kind of personalize the content that we ask them to bring uh, okay. to our podcast here. But before we do the actual thing that we uh, just said we were going to do, just kind of want to get kind of a general thought. And you can make this as brief or as lengthy as you want mm -hmm. on uh, the North America International Championship and on the state of the Ultra Metagame. And I know that's very vague, but okay. just kind of like 
hit me with your thoughts. So, so here's what I'm getting is, hey, Aaron, welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you. Also, here's everything at once. What do you think yeah. of it? Get Let ready. me just drop a bomb on you. Just um, like, g- give me like the greatest hits. Sure. So, um, obviously, I was very pleased with the way that the North American International Championships went because um, my, my team building partner won, um, and that was cool. He did, uh, yes. And I did mm-hmm. pretty okay, uh, which was cool, but not as cool. And, you know, I would have liked it if, the, if I was up there, too. Um, right. But I thought it was a good weekend. Um, and so... Uh, I guess I can talk about my personal tournament experiences now or later. Sure. How um, about we, we we'll go into that now? So so the okay. first thing we've got a couple of questions that we want to talk to you about as it pertains to like the team, the team okay. choice. Yeah. So first of all, I know that you are kind of I don't want to say infamous, but well known Zern Don player. Mm-hmm. Why did yeah. you go with Ray Ogre? So um, yeah, totally. I can totally give you that line of. Uh, thought so i was doing my homework before the tournament and not like my actual homework like i was just researching (laughs) i was looking at tournament results and i was watching battles i was like man there are so many different kinds of zerndon and i kind of from my experience because i went to every uh regional in ultra except for daytona um, and I played Zerndon at all of them, and I played Zerndon at Berlin, and you know, it's the same team every time. But, just sort of looking around, um, it was a very different experience from in 2016, where I also played Zerndon a bunch. And in 2016, mm-hmm. Zerndon was good because of its power. Um, mm-hmm. Xerneas was great, Groudon was great, no other Pokemon had the tools to stop the both of them together with the support Pokemon Smeargle. Um, one team did, yeah. and, uh... That was Wolf's Worlds winning team, and then, you know, right after he won Worlds, everyone figured out, oh, okay, so that's how I have to beat that. And then Zerndon went back to winning all the regionals. Mm-hmm. So, but the game has changed. And um, now we have Z-Moves and other Pokemon, and Mega Rayquaza is better than ever. Um, so what Zerndon is carried by in 2019 is its diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There are, well, at least going to Nationals, I thought there were three or four different viable archetypes that you could run with Xerneas and Groudon. So there wasn't a Zerndon that I thought was more powerful than the other ones, um, Mm -hmm. with a small caveat. Um, And so I thought that, you know, some were better against some teams and worse against others, and I thought that people would be ready for it. And I knew that I didn't want to be going to a tournament where some people were totally ready to deck me and that was just how it was going to go down. So I thought that if Zerndon did well, it would be because of it would be a function of its volume, not its power. And that's never a good sign when you want to be the cha- uh, the player at the top of the championships. Um, the small caveat there is that I do think Xerneas Groudon with Kangaskhan and Tornadus is much better than any other Xerneas Groudon team, um, but. It was a couple weeks before the tournament, and I wasn't—I didn't think I would have the experience on it to be comfortable. So you just went ahead and undermined everything that we've been talking about <laughs> for the last thirty to forty minutes. <laughs> oh, did I? Because <laughs> Jake and I feel pretty strongly that that is the, the worst version of Tornius <laughs> Crowd. Oh, okay, so. sure, sure. Let's 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 fight about it then. That's so exciting. It's, so it's yeah, interesting sure. that you would say, "Okay, for sure, we'll fight. Let's let's throw down." Um, Jake, I, like, personally, I just think that team. Preys on you not know its opponents not knowing how to play it. 
I think <laughs> as soon as that team loses a speed advantage, it crumbles. And mm -hmm. I think that's my main issue with it. I think it's a great ladder team. I think it's really like powerful mm -hmm. at stomping through like best of one stuff. But as mm -hmm. soon as you like, as soon as you play someone that knows how it works, or you like play a game in best of three, and then they figure out, oh, they tailwind and they icy wind, and then they bring in Zern and then they win. Mm -hmm. I think at that point is when that team becomes really hard to use. Brendan, do you have anything to add? That's pretty much that's pretty much the gist of it. It's just okay. like I. I think I, I, earlier in the podcast I likened it to Smeargle, or not Smeargle, EV teams in the sense that like it preys on you knowing its flow chart, right? So you always expect to see like a like a, a fake out tailwind. So if you play around your opponent's logical response to that, I feel like it's very easy to make positive trades on like turn one or turn two. Mm -hmm. So I think all that is fair, but. Um... Kangaskhan and Tornadus is interesting to me because it guarantees that speed control mm -hmm. um, right? in a way that other teams really can't afford to. Um, Tornadus with its ability Prankster and Kangaskhan with its fake out and roar pretty much mean that you can't ever get Trick Room up in front of that and that's a very big mm -hmm. deal if you have Xerneas and Frail Groudon in the back. Mm -hmm. Um and so the way I sort of see Kang Zern, um, I mean, sorry, Kang Torn, which makes it so powerful to me, is um, that Kang is kind of tornadus. You kind of have to not ignore what they're doing. Um, and you have to kind of try to take a KO before they get the Z move off, before they start chipping your Pokemon. Um, and mm -hmm. if you take one of those KOs and Tailwind comes up, then you are in a very bad place very quickly. Um, right. And yeah. that's what makes Kangaskhan and Tornadus so powerful to me. Uh, but your points are also extremely valid. If the Kangaskhan and Tornadus player misplays their speed control, or doesn't KO their own Tornadus and Kangaskhan fast enough, um, and like allows you to match or set your own speed control, then you can totally walk all over it. And I think that's part of the challenge for these players. So um, Aaron, then what was it about that team specifically that made you pivot away from it? if you feel strongly about it. I just knew, because as you mentioned, there are some flowcharts, and it mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. uh, maybe two week and a half, sorry, two weeks, a week and a half before the tournament, um, and I was making this call, um, and also I work a nine-to-five. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to put in the time I needed to be able to stack up to players like Kyle Livinghouse um, mm -hmm. and Joe... Caracosta, who <laughs> basically built the team and yeah, have experience on it. Yeah. Um, like in twenty six, like so. This is uh, this is another good tie in to um, my own tournament run. But my deal is being experienced on teams. Mm -hmm. um, I have never, bar one time, gone into pretty much any tournament, even a PC, without ladder games and experience and lots of best of threes um you know that whole 5am crew that is like the polar opposite of what i do <laughs> mm -hmm. um right and so i wanted to be comfortable in king torn and i knew it was flowchart heavy um and i knew i wasn't going to be the best one in the field and i knew that that's not a team that you win the championships with mm -hmm. um, totally fair when you when you lay it all out it just like um, it just makes mm -hmm. too much sense yeah, so, <laughs> so Kangaskhan and Tornadus is exciting for me going forward, too, um, and I guess we can move this later, but because the last two slots are very flexible, um, yes. and we've seen a bunch of different stuff... In the sense um, that one was fast Mawile at this tournament. <laughs> well, I don't think Mawile or Como are very good Pokemon. 
Cool. We I share agree. that opinion. <laughs> I, but but somehow there was a model of two Komo's in top eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so let's talk about my own tournament run. Um, sure. Let's. <laughs> Let me move this podcast from one section <laughs> Please, to the other Aaron. for you. By all means, <laughs> yeah, you're t- we it's would your love show, to. Actually. Yeah, your t- your yes. tournament run is 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 pretty pretty high on our list yes. of things to talk about. So by all okay. means, cool. Um, and again, I think my like me and Wolf hopefully are going to write a report about this, but I think my tournament run is an interesting foil to his tournament run, mm-hmm. um, because um, so. As I mentioned, with one exception, I've prepared really extensively, had like a ton of experience on the ladder with teams, and this tournament is that one exception for me. Oh wow! Um, I we threw the team together like maybe maybe a week before, um, and I God, I have less than like thirty thirty five ladder games with it. Um, I played like two or three best of threes in the driver's seat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And that is all totally foreign for me. Um, and so it was a fun tournament. And part of that is because um, when you play with a team for a while, you get in habits and sometimes you autopilot. Mm-hmm. And when you like, <laughs> when you throw it together and sit down in that chair, you don't do that. You certainly do not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it was fun to kind of lay the track down as I went. And that had some some positives such as me being able to play really flexibly um and identify win cons and feel really good about my wins um and it had its downsides such as when i played graham in round two um and got wiped on stream such as when i sort of fumbled my odds uh and made a miscalculation to lose to jake powell and then when caleb actually like blew me out of the water in round nine um yeah so um wolf and i had very different tournament experiences um again we'll talk about this in our team report but i'm here now um and that's not getting written right now so uh <laughs> so uh wolf played five zerndons on the first day Ooh. and that's great because that's what we expected um uh-huh. you know as i said going into nationals i was like zerndon is going to be a volume call um I want to prepare for Zerndon, uh, the Chemo and Ragov Rayogre team, uh, Psychic Spam, and especially Kang Torn Zerndon. Um, yeah. And so Wolf played all those Zerndons, that was great. And he brought every Pokemon of his team, and he was crushing it. He actually beat two Ferrothorn, which is, like, mind-blowing, because our team had no <laughs> fire move. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so my schedule, I played, like, four Psy Spam, Three Lunala comps. Uh, <laughs> so, like, Luna Dawn, Luna Ogre, Luna Ogre. This makes and me then, so sad, Aaron. I know. Jake's already built on. Anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I had, and then, actually, it was it was only three size spam, because I also played oh, one, three. I played only one Zerndon. I played Kyle Living House, and that was mm-hmm. a good set. Yeah. Um, and then I played XY Roserade. Ah, uh, <laughs> um, yes. And, and then <laughs> Ray Ogre. And yep. I finished the day with 73% resistance or something. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was hard. Um, Luna Ogre was really hard for the team um, because uh, so if if they get Tailwind up <laughs> and they get Kyogre in, you basically have to hope they don't have a single target water move, and you have to stall it out. Um, 
because I was so onto Kang Torn for this tournament, I was like, Wolf, you know, we really have to be mindful of speed control. We really have to be mindful of people setting up Tailwind, especially. I don't think Trick Room will go anywhere this tournament. And I was speeding us, and he was like, nah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then like, I kind of suffered because he totally knew how to play around in Tailwind, and I was a little bit less um, successful at doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it really only bit me versus Graham. The other story out of this weekend is like I was sort of the crash test dummy for his run. <laughs> um, he like I played Graham in round two, mm. and you can see like I don't know if you guys saw that set, but it was just so bad. I was like trying to pivot around Mawile and it, sorry, Mega Meta Jam that didn't work. Right. Um, and then he got his his tailwind up and he got his Pokemon in and I lost. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I lost to Jake Powell a couple of rounds before he did, but that was a pretty good matchup. Um, I, yeah. Uh, and so then the other thing that was different about our schedules is on the second day, he continued to play a mix of Xerneas teams, and I played three Rayogre teams. Oh, um, yeah. And I lost to two of them. And part of it, I just wasn't experienced in that matchup, and these guys were a little more experienced. Um, part of it was our team isn't optimized to really win those Rayogre mirrors. It's just like Cell Seal is hard to deal with. Good luck. And then mm-hmm. part of it is um, I got pretty unlucky. Um, my weekend was sort of marred by Origin Pulse misses. Oh, and oh yeah. I I really like to take responsibility for every one of my losses. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm never satisfied by saying like I lost this game due to luck. And then here's the butt. But, um, <laughs> me and Jake Powell set on the first day, I double, like, I double missed the Origin Pulse, and then oh. the last round for, versus Binji Wang for top 16 and $250, I, he, game one, he double misses Origin Pulse, and game <laughs> two, I double miss Origin Pulse, and then, oh like, like, on a pivotal turn to, like, win the game. Like, I'm not just saying, like, oh, you know, turn one, I double miss the Origin Pulse, it's like, oh, cool, like, last turn, pew, pew, miss. Ah, uh, okay, I guess I win slash lose. And then the third game, I, like, missed three consecutive origin pulses oh, to lose God. the game. Um, and so... You're allowed to blame luck there, Aaron. A little bit, well, yeah. I think I think the takeaway is, you know, I told this to Wolf, and he was like, oh, I definitely had games where if I was in that position, I would have lost. Um, and so I think sort of the takeaway is that we, we did a good job this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, he he played really well and got some of the matchups he needed to. I didn't play as well, um, and I didn't get some of the matches that I needed to, and I got a little less lucky, but, you know, that happens. And really, just the point of team building is to put yourself in a position where you can win. And Wolf yeah. winning this tournament, like, reminded me, well, not reminded me, but, like, that my takeaway from this weekend is, like, if he could have done it, then, like, you know, see the RNG a little differently, I could have done it. Mm. Um, and although I didn't win and I'm not satisfied by my losses, um, it's an okay takeaway. I think it's a super good takeaway. Right. I feel like it, that kind of thing definitely factors into restricted formats more than a lot mm-hmm. of other ones. So Right. Maybe a little bit less so now that Smeargle and Dark Void are not in the meta anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, Aaron, yeah. the one thing that kind of uh, separates your team 
from the rest of the Ryogre teams right now is Celestila. So can you mm-hmm. talk to us about the choice, and then specifically, why did you end up using an attack-boosting spread? Sure. Um, so first off, it wasn't that unique. Two other players in the tournament that weren't affiliated with me and Wolf actually had Celestila. Interesting. <laughs> um, Brian Hume and uh, Modern Gamer, I think, Joseph Selmer. Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, mm-hmm. They had the same six, just probably different oh, wow. sets and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, That's pretty cool. wild. Um, and I always like that, because, you know, when lightning strikes twice, you're onto something. Yeah, um, they sure. poached, do you think they poached it from the ladder? <laughs> nah, no way. I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so Celestial is really good, I think. Celestial, so, okay. My opinion going into the tournament was that Celestial was sort of, like, surprise factor in a way. Like, mm-hmm. not like super surprise factor but this is how you know nails won a lot of tournaments in 2017 by doing this sort of thing you build a smart anti-meta call and then you take a tiny twist on it and you throw it just far enough out of the metagame that you can't like have like you haven't thought about it in practice yes um and that's sort of like how nails like part of like how nails won in roanoke in 2017 um you know, he had a good matchup against the meta team there, and he twisted the knife, and he won the tournament very yep. easily. Yeah. Um, and so it sort of seemed like that to me. Um, and, you know, people are ready for Celesteela now. But, here's the thing. Oh, I will say more about attack boosting Celesteela in a sec. But, um, Celesteela in Kyogre is always a stable endgame against Groudon. Like, just mm-hmm. always. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> um and Celestial next to Rayquaza is um it it's only weak to fire, which you have Kyogre for. Um and heavy boosting so heavy slam with an attack boosting Celestial always KO uh, always two shots frail Xerneas at minus one and always uh, one shots frail Lele at minus one. Oh yeah. Interesting. And okay. like what do you you can get the lefties survive with um like sorry, you can get the plus two moonblast survive with left uh, leftovers, yeah. and like at that point, what do you else do you really need to count for? No, um, no, that's pretty much it. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah, if Celestia is attacking, you kind of avoid those end games where it's like, well, they have three Pokemon and I have one better leech seed. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, <laughs> like that's not the point. Um, and yeah. I, actually, I'd kind of like to drop leech seed. I don't like that move. Um, Interesting. But yeah. Um, and so, oh my god, Celestial was great. Like, there were games that got to three or even four attack boosts. Like, all these Sizebam teams that I played had no answers <laughs> for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and I heard Wolf joking around after the tournament saying that his restricted Pokemon were Rayquaza and Celesteela. So I know yeah. that it was a really big part of your team, and I think that was really cool to see. It was. Um, and I think part of that was because people aren't ready. But, you know... Mm-hmm. And, like, during the, like, after I went 6-3 on the first day, I texted Wolf, and I was like, man, you know, I think we built a fine team. I don't think we built mm-hmm. a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, thinking back on it, that's a real good team. <laughs> yeah, in, hi- in, in hindsight. Um, wow, and, it, won a, it won an international championship. I guess it's okay. Yeah, I guess it's all right. I guess um, it's all right. So my complaint about the team is I never brought Gengar. <laughs> I never Gengar. about that. Um, <laughs> I think um, I remember you saying at some point that you brought it like for wait. the second time against the second time you played Caleb. <laughs> no, 
Um, yeah, I uh, I brought it for uh, <laughs> I brought it for the first time against Caleb the second day that I played, um, which I think is round thirteen. Um, so that was the first game Gengar came to. And then the second game <laughs> Gengar came to was my very last match of the day. <laughs> um, so that's two out of, like, 35 games. I had a lot of yeah. game freeze. <laughs> uh, not ideal. Um, can we do an off-the-mic bit for a second here? Like, <laughs> like edit later, this out? Later, later. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you'll have to edit that part out now. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Um... Yeah, so I don't know what I do with the Gengar slot, um, but I also don't know if it should move. So mm-hmm. exciting times ahead. Interesting. So that kind of brings us to our next, like, last sort of thing we want to talk about as far as NAIC goes. Is like, mm-hmm. would you carry this team forward, or are you looking elsewhere going into Worlds? Um, I think it's a good team. Uh, I'm definitely looking at some other stuff, and I don't want to say too much about that. Um, no, that's fine. Right, that's fine. exactly. But uh, I think it's good, and I think I'd want to have answers for it if I were me and I were playing in the World Championships. <laughs> I don't know how successful someone would be if they just took it and yeah, they just picked it up. Yeah, picked it up. A lot of my practice, um, something that I th- thought was kind of cool was uh, I would watch Wolf's replays and I would start them and stop them, and so I'd get to team preview and I'd stop it and I'd be like what's he gonna do here like what mm-hmm. what do i think is good here and compare it to what he's gonna do here um and uh and then i'd sort of see like oh he did this i wonder why he did that well that's like this um and so it was kind of fun of the finals to like backseat game them because i was like this is exactly what i would do <laughs> um actually so it wasn't. basically you were also the north american international champion is what you know you're i'd like to think that <laughs> That's how that works. Um, you had a hand in building, so naturally you also won. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll go with <laughs> exactly. that. Um, awesome. Well, thanks so much for all of that, Aaron. Uh, no like we said with this podcast, what we really want to do is try and like personalize the content that we bring you mm-hmm. with our guests. And uh, we're really excited this week to be able to feature the co-architect of the team, uh, the cha- of the team that won the North American International Champions. Thank you. Ship. So, Aaron, we also have a couple of other segments that we'd like to do with you here as we close up the podcast here. Um, I am ready. I'm okay, so ready. So, <laughs> so the first one is, uh, if you don't have anything prepared, that's totally fine. But we would really love it if you asked us a question. Oh, I don't have anything prepared. Okay, then we will move on to the next one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I actually it. asked one of my group chats for questions that I could ask you guys, and the <laughs> answers that came back were not PG-13. Uh, um, okay. Uh, yeah. So Maybe we, not. Will pass, we will pass on from there. So the next segment that we would like to play here, and I do emphasize play, is that it is a game. Wait. And uh, <laughs> the game that we're playing this week is called wait. Guess the Last Pokemon. Wait, wait. Wait for what? You're going to have to do that intro again. I, I do have a question for you, but it involves a link. It involves a, a what? A link that you're going to okay. have to click. That's fine. And so you might have to put this in, in the in the description yeah. of the podcast. Okay. Can I link okay, it? Go ahead. Yeah, okay. yeah, link it. Link okay, it. Yeah. Here's, my, here's my question for you, okay. and I've linked it in the Discord chat. Okay. Let me know. <laughs> okay, what's the question? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> what is your opinion uh, on the perceived nutritional value of candles? <laughs> And to follow well, up, how how do the scents compare to the taste? Ooh. 
Uh, well, looking at the nutritional value, it does seem to be a pretty efficient source of protein, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> I would say the same. <laughs> wow. I'd, I'd never really considered uh, candles to be a good source of protein, but as far as the scent, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, uh, where it's like seltzer, where you smell mm -hmm. it before you taste it, and I feel mm -hmm. like the smell contributes more to the taste than the actual taste does. Interesting. Huh. I don't know. I, I wish the candlelight for breakfast this morning was this nutritional because I think mine was all just sugar. I don't think it had any protein. It was really not very filling. I got like really energetic for like five minutes and then just immediately crashed. Oh, man. See, that's why you got to go for the organic brands. I know, I know. Next time. I'm so glad you were here to this. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we're, we're going to go into our next segment here, which is uh, alluded to before Aaron came up with. I'm not sure how anyone's ever going to talk this question. <laughs> that was uh, on the spot, it is, too. <laughs> it, is, it is called Guess the Sixth Pokemon, and it is playing out about as, as, as you would expect it to. So what uh -huh. I've done here is I've pulled a couple of teams, some well-known, some not well-known, some a little normal, some less normal, uh, from NAIC, from EUIC, and then from random PCs. Oh, and the no. the goal of the game is that I haven't shown Jake any of this. Is I'm gonna read you five Pokemon, and oh. you have to guess the sixth <laughs> Pokemon. This is cyberbullying. <laughs> okay, so the so the first team. Some of these might be a little bit more well known, uh, as mm -hmm. NAIC is a little bit fresh, and we only have the top 64 to pull to. Mm -hmm. But we'll start out with Kyogre, Rayquaza, Gengar, Coco, and Incineroar. Oh. Uh, oh. Is this a trick question? Oh. No, this it could be any steel type. It could be any one of those. <laughs> My guess is Celesteela. <laughs> My guess we is went with Celesteela here, as it was. Uh, there might have been a stack attack team with that in in the field, but Celesteela was what we were looking for. Oh my for god, here. I'm so oh, smart. I almost, I almost this had one it. here, a little bit uh, <laughs> less ambiguous. Kyogre, Lunala, Tapu Lele, Tapu Koko, and Nihiligo. Is it Mega Metachamp? It is Mega oh, Metachamp. Aaron, I'm okay. smoking Man, you right I, ha now. I had my finger on the buzzer. <laughs> and now that we're going, we're going to depart here from uh, the finals of the tournament here. Okay. Rayquaza, Xerneas, Metagross, Tapu Fini, and Gastrodon. And Mandibuzz. And Mandibuzz. Oh, yeah. Javier Valdez right, right. with that X-ray team. That, I lost to it, too. It was just a wild team. Well, in, in EU, but I know I know the drill. Oh, in EU, yeah, the yeah. team. Okay, and this one yes. I know Jake knows the answer to, so I'm going to direct it specifically to Aaron. Oh, Aaron, no. Groudon, Necrozma, Duskmane, Tapu Lele, Stakataka, and Lilligant. Oh, I've played this guy. Zoroark. Oh yep. man, I thought Sorry, we, you really asked thought me we had him you with that one. You asked me all the ones I know. I really thought we had him with that one. Okay, mm -hmm. we're going to touch on a couple of EUIC teams. So this is a little bit farther back. I think that maybe it'll be a little bit tougher. Okay, yeah. So the first one is actually going right. to be a five-mon team without one of the restricted Pokemon. So the five are Ooh. Rayquaza, Tapu Fini, Incineroar, Raichu, and Ferrothorn. Oh, God. That's definitely Xerneas, isn't it? Wait, no. It is not Xerneas, wow. Jake. It can't be. It might be Ho-Oh. It is Ho-Oh. Oh, okay. Is okay. that <laughs> Aaron with a good one. All right, and the last uh, EUIC team that we're going to do here is Xerneas, Lunala, Persian, Gastrodon, and Amoongus. Can you repeat the team? Xerneas, Lunala, Persian, Gastrodon, and Amoongus. Isn't Landorus Therian? It is not Landorus Therian. Oh. Is it Stakataka? It is not Stakataka. The answer to this one is Blaziken. Blaziken oh is the sixth Pokemon. <laughs> that place above me? Obviously. Obviously, Blaziken is the last one. Okay. What, wait, what place did that finish? 
I I don't know. I'd have to look. Oh my god! It, it, it got CP. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> All right. So these last few that I've got here for you guys are just kind of random from PCs over the course of uh, early Ultra Series. Shout out to Zach and VGC Stats. So the first one is a pretty well-known team that ended up placing uh, at a bunch of events all over the world, oh, no. with the five being Rayquaza, Tapu Lele, Incineroar, Stack Attacka, and Kartana. Rayquaza, what? This is Ultra uh, Series? This is Ultra Series. Can you say the other Pokemon again? <laughs> Rayquaza, Tapu Lele, Incineroar, Stack Attacka, and Kartana. Who would build such a team? <laughs> That is the question, isn't it, Eric? Is it Kyogre? It is not Kyogre. Xerneas? Ooh. It is not Xerneas either. Yeah. The answer is Palkia. Palkia oh, is the Lord. answer. That's that's the team that uh, Bingji and uh, I think Yihui were also using it at oh. events early oh. in Ultra Series. Oh, I was such a fool. Okay, <laughs> this, this next one is pulled directly from a PC in Uruguay. Rayquaza, Kyogre, Nihiligo, Incineroar, and Tornadus. The last uh, one has got to be some weird electric type, like Zerkatry. It's not an electric type, I'll give you that hint. Is it's, it Kartana? But is it Zerkatry? It is not Kartana. No. Aaron, your guess is Zerkatry? <laughs> well, you said it was an electric type, but it you didn't answer It is not Zerkatry, Aaron, you're wrong. The answer is Swampert. Mega Swampert is the oh, last Pokemon. That was it. actually what I was going to say next. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Mm -hmm. Alright, the last, the next one, I think we'll make this the last one here, mm -hmm. is uh, a well-known builder, and you might get an idea of maybe what the last Pokemon is if you have an idea of the team building tendencies of this one player. The five are Rayquaza, Xerneas, Ditto, Bisharp, and Salazzle. Excadrill. Oh. It's Me Excadrill. Yes! Oh, Jamie! Jake, Jake nails <laughs> oh, I was the boy say Mega at the end there. You're, Another good guess. <laughs> right, right person, wrong Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> right person, wrong Pokemon. All right, Aaron, this leads us into our last question for you of this podcast. Oh, no. This is oh, a really no. important question. Oh, Given gosh. that you are the friendship master and the the bastion uh -huh. of friendship in this community. I need you to rank the following Pokemon in order of friendliness. Are you ready? Oh no. Oh. These Pokemon they're all are. My friends. They're okay. not. I thought about doing that, but I thought that would be too mean. These Pokemon okay. are Bronzong, Celesteela, uh -huh. Ferrothorn, uh -huh. Sakataka, <laughs> and Aegislash. Oh my god. Oh. Well. God. Uh, so, so my metric is friendliness. Mm. Friendliness, yeah. Okay, well, you can't be friends with Pokemon because they're inanimate objects. Okay. <laughs> no, no, you can't take that sound bite out of context. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, I, I mean, like, I guess it's pretty obvious, but I guess I have to go with Bronzong first. That's like, mm. okay. you can't ever walk back in a homie like that. Right, um, of course. It was actually pretty good for me in early Ultra... But, and then I guess I have to go Celesteela because, yeah. You know what I realized with Wolf, like, way too late? is like, my 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 meme in 2016 was Bell Yeah, but for Celesteela, yep. we could have had Cell Yeah. Cell Yeah. <laughs> Cell yeah. <laughs> um, and then after that, you know, Asia Slash and Stack Attack. I like them a lot, but I think Ferrothorn is the worst. Um, I just, I think it's I, an ugly I think I Pokemon. I agree with you, yep, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, but thank you. So I guess, fine, to reiterate, my friends in order would be Bronzong, number one. 
Celestela, number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Age of Slash, number three, and Stacky, number four, and then Ferrothorn, number five. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, what kind of friend can you be if you can't hug someone without poking them? You know, that's right. Well, I mean, counterpoint: all Pokemon are friends, and you should right. give even the pokey ones love. Except Ferrothorn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With the other poker ones, that's fine. But mm-hmm. yeah. that was actually a really good selection, Jake. I'm really pleased. Yeah, that was pretty with, good. With what you did there. Okay. I do my best. Yeah. And the last segment we're going to do with you here, Aaron, and this was another thing that I did ask you to prepare, so hopefully you're ready this time, is <laughs> uh-huh. on this on Soundproof here, we would like to give music recs at the end of all of our uh, podcasts here, as it is, you know, appropriately thematic uh, with, mm-hmm. with our sound-based thing. And also, Jake and I, uh, I feel like one of the things that w- we became good friends over was, like, a shared mutual yeah. <laughs> music taste. Like, every other day we uh-huh. say, oh, listen to this. Yeah. Okay, so Aaron, um, well, I did believe I would tell you, and I'm going to scroll through our chat log, but I think I you did, did tell you exactly what you're going to say. That I yep. was going to recommend Baby Shark. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I would why like to we, read... Why did we ask Aaron to be on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I could even sing it for you if you want. Uh, I think we're good. I don't think we have the rights to no, that. No, 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 no. I, we would have to pay I a lot serious of answers. <laughs> Wolf and I did did name all of our Pokemon after Lizzo Pokemon. Yeah, right, Lizzo songs. And so you could pick one of those, but my personal DL favorite is Marble Skies by Django Django. Ooh, I don't think I've actually heard that. of that, so I'm going to type that. It's pretty in. good, and it's kind of Ryogre themed. So, yeah, I like that. You know, okay, yeah. cool. It's an indie hit. Mine would be the album Nothing Happens by the band Wallows. If you nice. know who Dylan Minnette is, I think that's his last no, name. No, I don't. I'm really bad with like celebrities. That's fine. And <laughs> he's names an actor, and, and he's also the front up. man of this band, and I like nice. it a lot. The band is Wallows. Album Nothing Happens. If you want one song, probably mm. Treacherous Doctor. That's a fun song. Okay, I'll 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 look it up. Yay. And and mine okay. is going to be drifting somewhat more mainstream here after uh, events today that were very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> I'm a big Taylor Swift stan. Oh, yeah? And uh, if you... Uh, I'm not going to get into it, but basically <laughs> some unfortunate happenings occurred to her on, uh, a, a, as a result of a sale of the company that her first six albums belong to. So I would really just like to recommend that you go back and listen to some of Taylor Swift's older stuff. Brendan, okay, I think you really personal, need to calm down right now. My personal favorite album... I'm going to ignore that one for <laughs> your sake, Jake. Uh, her, my personal favorite album is Fearless, and of course... Uh, if you want a song, just go straight back to the Radio Top 40 and listen to You Belong With Me. Mm, good Thank you. Today. Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> all right. So I we're going to wrap up our segment sure. with Aaron here. Aaron, thanks so much yes, for joining us. You. We really yeah, appreciate uh, the insight that you can bring us. And again, I'm going to keep harping on this as we really want personalized content from our guests. And we nailed it here with a lot of <laughs> on-brand comments from Aaron. And, of course, uh, being able to talk to him about the NAIC winning team that of course he was the co-architect on so aaron any closing thoughts for our listeners here uh no keep being you keep being it's on brand content you'll always be my friend that's adorable on i love you aaron on brand content thank you but i'm taken i'm not actually (laughs) (laughs) ladies no thank you guys so much for having me (laughs) um awesome i had a lot of fun yeah thanks for thanks for coming on and uh, uh-huh. If our podcast survives another three, four years, maybe we'll get the <laughs> opportunity to bring you on again. Uh, you should probably just wait until late August. 
um because i might have After some more you things for you then oh someone's confident oh, okay. Ooh, yeah okay <laughs> all right all right well thanks again okay. aaron okay peace out girl scouts Thank you all so much for listening, assuming you made it this far, to the inaugural episode of Soundproof Podcast. Jake and I were really excited that uh, we finally got this thing off the ground and we had a super good first guest. And if you guys, again, are still listening, thank you all so much for giving us the opportunity to make this podcast. And hopefully the content was to your liking. If you have any comments, any concerns, or you just really love to feed our egos like by all means <laughs> sound off on twitter let us know what you think so that we can try and adapt this to something that is really enjoyable for the whole community yeah as brendan said thank you to everyone who listened massive thanks to aaron for coming on and talking to us for a little while uh, again thanks to smogonis ramir alexander for the amazing art and uh, thank Absolutely. you to everyone that listened uh, we all had a good time you can catch us on twitter at soundproofcast. we will be tweeting you know when we upload episodes when we have you know, updates or questions for you guys as the audience uh, and the best way to keep up with the podcast would be to follow us on Twitter awesome so I think that does it for us here from the pilot episode of Soundproof Podcast and until then we will see you guys in two weeks <laughs> <laughs>